Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, a Friday, July 9th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. And welcome, welcome to the 2021 NHL offseason. It is here. First of all, congratulations on the back-to-back cup wins by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They earned it. They were the better team. They got the job done in Game 5 in front of their home fans in a full building. And as Gary Bettman, the commissioner, pointed out, what a difference uh, a, a year and change makes. At this time last year, we were getting ready for teams to go to the bubble, to begin a a shortened training camp and head to a bubble in Toronto and Edmonton, eventually on the way to Tampa winning the Cup last year, and then this year to pretty much a capacity-filled building at Amelie Arena where the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, hoist the Cup once again. Now, there's been a lot of debate, obviously, about Tampa being over the cap because of the LTIR during the regular season, adding Kucherov, who was fantastic. Any team that was in a position to do that and exploit that, if you want to call it a loophole, if your team doesn't do that and you're a fan of them and they don't do that, then they didn't do the necessary things to win. Every team would do that. It's a loophole. Until it's closed, you exploit it. And the Tampa Bay Lightning did. And I don't even know that if that, that had been the case that they would not have won the Cup anyway. Great team, and uh, they'll go for the three-peat next year, which we have not seen in the NHL since the early 1980s when the New York Islanders won four straight Cups after the Montreal Canadiens won four straight just prior to that to wrap up the 70s. But uh, we're now in the offseason. It is here. Business of hockey is now on the front burner. There are no more games. The countdown begins to another NHL season, which... I think by some reporting, it looks like it's going to be October 12th. We should get the, the schedule here in the coming weeks for the, ne- the new season as well. Uh, the schedule for the offseason, it basically is, is beginning because you, you have the ability to buy out contracts. The buyout period is now open. Uh, deadlines for teams to put in their protected list and unprotected list, as it were, uh, for the 2021 NHL expansion draft is coming up on July 17th. So we're now just eight days away from finding out who will be protected and who won't be protected, not just on the Flyers, but around the league. And that'll be incredibly intriguing. And then on the 21st is the NHL expansion draft. And then the 23rd is the first round of the 2021 NHL entry draft, uh, rounds two through seven on the 24th. And then, of course, the unrestricted free agent period uh, will get underway coming up at the end of the month on July 28th. And it won't be a lot of offseason in there. Players, by that point, for the most part, will be back on skates, back on ice. Their preparations uh, are underway, heading to their cities where they play uh, sometime usually in late August or early September uh, to get those captain skates in before training camps. So it is now here. Uh, and a massively, a massively important offseason for the Flyers. And there's been a lot of chatter of late when it comes to uh, the Flyers and this offseason and talking to, about and being attached to some of the bigger names that are available, whether that's going to be in free agency, a guy like Dougie Hamilton, or a guy uh, in trade like Seth Jones or Ryan Ellis or Rasmus Ristolainen or Jack Eichel or whoever. There's a lot of players and a lot of movement that sh- likely will take place this offseason, and the Flyers are rumored to be in a lot of those conversations. And we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But what I want to play before we get to part two of Ask Billy is uh, Elliot Friedman, who does the 31 Thoughts podcast uh, with Jeff Marrick on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. And Fridge is one of those guys that is a very trusted reporter. 
and he does not put out information, as I've alluded to on this podcast before, without having uh, multiple sourced information before he puts it out there. It's not conjecture or just throwing stuff into the wind. That's not how he operates, unless he says he's doing that, which is not the case. So he and Jeff Merrick were talking on the latest edition of 31 Thoughts, the podcast, which came out yesterday, the day after the Cup, uh, about Seth Jones and saying that uh, right now Seth Jones has not indicated that he does want to extend here in Philadelphia and that uh, it would basically be a non-starter for the Flyers if Seth Jones uh, wouldn't consider or work on an extension before any kind of deal would take place. So Chuck Fletcher here is being risk-averse. He doesn't want to make a deal for a player and then rent him for a year, give up some significant assets to do so, and then not reap the long-term reward uh, of having a player like Seth Jones here for multiple seasons. The thing with this is you have to consider the information and you have to consider the motivation. I know that Twitter was exploding when they saw that, oh my God, the Flyers have fallen so far because People used to chomp at the bit to come here and play in Philadelphia. People aren't doing that anymore, like this is the case, based on what Elliot Friedman said with Seth Jones. Now, what you have to realize is it's going to be put out there, likely by the agent, when the agent knows a team, like the Flyers, is very interested in Seth Jones, but only interested if he's going to sign an extension. So the move by the agent there is to put out that he's not interested in signing an extension with Philadelphia. This is a way for an agent to grab some leverage and grab some control. We saw this with Kevin Hayes a couple of years ago when Chuck Fletcher traded for his rights. There were there was reports out there that Kevin Hayes didn't want to play in Philadelphia, did not want to come here. Uh, they would have to overpay to get him. Eventually, they got a deal done. You can say maybe he got overpaid a little bit. That That's your right to, to feel that way about the contract. This is a way for an agent to drive up a number. You know said team is very interested in you and wants to obtain your rights or you as a player for the next year and extend you. So you put out there that you're not really interested in doing it and you got to blow their doors off to get it done. That's the motivation of the information. So you have to always consider that, especially at this time of year. It's very important. Information gets out with a purpose. It doesn't get out without purpose. There's always an agenda behind leaked information. That's just the way it is. They call this silly season for a reason. There are There's reasons to get that information out, not only to the public, but obviously to the executives or Chuck Fletcher in this case. He doesn't want to sign there. He doesn't want to extend there. So you have to come to the table with more. This is creating leverage for his client to get more. And that's the agent's job. Now, the other part of the equation, which I thought was really interesting too, is people were outraged uh, by, by this other element of what Elliot Friedman had to say. So I'm going to play it right here for you from 31 Thoughts, the podcast. It's Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman. Is Chuck Fletcher under the gun here to do, quote unquote, something? I don't even know if it's under the gun. I think he wants to. Well, he wanted to at the end of the, when the, uh, the bubble was over in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Like there was like, okay, Philadelphia's in on a whole bunch of things. And then this season happened with the Philadelphia Flyers, which was wildly disappointing based on expectations. Oh, I still think they're going to do things. I think the biggest question is, is he willing to commit there? And if no, I don't think Philly does it. Right. All right. So there's Jeff Merrick and and Elliot Friedman. And, And what Elliot said there troubled people more. Maybe some of those people didn't actually hear it. Uh, because Elliot said, 
I do not I don't think Fletcher is quote under the gun to make any moves this offseason, but that he wants to. Well, if you hear there in the clip that I just played, he's not saying that he's not under the gun. He just say, he kind of dismisses that part and says he wants to make moves. He doesn't need to be under the gun. People looked at that in text and were outraged. How can he not be under the gun? Did did ownership see what the Flyers were this season. They'll never be good because if they don't have them under the gun after this season, then what's the deal, right? They don't want to win. That's not what Elliot was saying. You just heard the audio. What Elliot was saying is he wants to make moves. He doesn't need to be under the gun. He's being aggressive. So I just wanted to clear that that part of it up as well. Real quick before we get to part two of Ask Billy as well. You know, with the, with the cup final game being a one nothing final, uh, there was an article that went around. Adam Proto from the, the Hockey News wrote it. And revisited an old topic of, is it time for the NHL to revisit larger nets? He said uh, in, the, in the tweet to, with the story, the league has tried to address the issue of cutting down on the size of goaltending equipment, but is it time to revisit the idea of larger net dimensions? Now, obviously, you know, I'm a card-carrying goaltender union guy. I'm against it. Uh, I, first of all, you cannot raise the crossbar. Player's head, face is already in the danger zone enough. If you raise that crossbar even an inch, the trajectory of a puck is going to hit more players in the head and in the face and end careers. So that's number one. Number two, widening the net. Why can't you do that, right? The goaltending equipment. Now, the goaltending equipment has been restricted, and it has been cut down pretty significantly. I mean, if you look at it, you go, well, an inch here or an inch here, that's not that much. But it is smaller, and it is more form-fitting. And one of the things that went around was the picture of Andre Vasilevsky and Carey Price shaking hands in the line after Game 5, after the Cup win by Tampa. And Vasilevsky looks like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, and Carey Price looks like uh, a Schvelt goaltender. Now, the reason why that is, is they're both wearing chest and arm pads that are form-fitted to their body in the same way, in the same dimensions. They're probably very similar in size off the ice and what they are wearing under there is very similar as well now the chest and arm pads it's rule 11.3 the chest and arm protector worn by each goaltender must be automatic or anatomically proportional and size specific based on the individual physical characteristics of that goalkeeper and it also it gives precise measurement they do it on a 3d scanner based on body size and body composition and then the equipment has to fit that now the chest part of it that protects you is more form-fitting and snug um, for most goaltenders carry price wears it snug and wears it as a goaltender we call it tucked or untucked he tucks it in his pants so it doesn't bulge out and he does and he straps it a little bit more tight to his body andre vasilevsky wears it untucked outside his pants so it floats a little bit more. This is just a personal preference for goalies on how you feel more comfortable. Um, so Vasilevsky wears it out. Price wears it in. It looks a little bigger as a result. It's not any bigger. Uh, the arms are significantly smaller. The elbow areas were cut down by an inch. And I would tell you that if you put, whether you grew up playing or you see goalie equipment in the store, you put what you see in that store next to the NHL goalie chesty, it's very different. It is significantly smaller, and it is significantly more form-fitting, especially in the arms. So the, the jersey was one thing they were going to try and litigate to, to make more form-fitting, but it does encumber movement a little bit. And for some guys, that can encumber their ability to play the game. So the jersey still is uh, not sanctioned or not governed by Kay Whitmore and the NHL, 
All the equipment can be checked at any point in time. The referees check it often. If anything is not uh, uh, doesn't look good, doesn't look right, then th there can be fines and penalties assessed. And every piece of equipment that is goes from the manufacturer that's going to be used in the NHL goes from the manufacturer to the league where Kay Whitmore, who is the, the czar of goaltending for the NHL, puts it through the 3D scanner according to that goaltender's composition and then signs it with a Sharpie. So everything is on the up and up. And you know that if the Montreal Canadiens really thought that Andre Vasilevsky had equipment that was not legal, that they would have raised the stink about it. All the equipment is legal. These are just some of the things. Making the net bigger is not the answer. Players shoot the puck. You can't shrink the equipment anymore. The players shoot the puck so incredibly hard that if you shrink the equipment anymore, you're putting the goaltenders in danger. That puck hurts. And when you're wearing uh, the chest protectors that are the NHL players are wearing now, it, it's tough. You get it in the arm, it is a tough spot to take a shot from a guy like Austin Matthews or a big heavy shot from a guy like Shea Weber. I don't think you can shrink it down anymore. Goaltending is a position of consequence. It is a position that it can directly affect the, the outcome of a game more than any in sport, more than the quarterback in football. It doesn't need to be messed with because one game, a cup-clinching game, was a one nothing game. I've had my say. Let's get to part two of Ask Billy from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer for part two. Bill, uh, the offseason's chugging on. We're into part two of Ask Billy, so let's get right to it. And we start with this question. Big Chief, or Big Chef, I'm not sure which it is. He says, how many moves do you see the team making? To me, I can't answer this because I don't know what they give up in any trade to create other holes. I think it's an impossible question to answer right now other than to say more than two. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. You know, and you can run through different scenarios. Um, I and mean, will the Flyers make a trade ahead of the expansion draft, right? Um, and I, I put this out in, in today's blog. If you remember in, in 2017, uh, the Flyers were not going to be able to protect Nick Cousins. So they moved him to Arizona. Yep. And, um, you know, they moved him. They got a uh, draft pick and a, a collegiate prospect, Brendan Warren, who didn't end up panning out. But it was better than losing him for nothing. They, they got they got the pick they used in Wyatt Wiley, who was a, you know, a, a rookie this season with the Phantoms. So you got something back in it. If they – and I think it's unlikely they're going to be able to protect Nick Abbey-Cubell just, just as of the numbers shake out. So maybe you could see Abbey-Cubell moved – this offseason, which opens up a space in the lineup for, you know, uh, Zinsky. Uh, it solidifies his, his spot on the team. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, that would count as a move this offseason. What, what will the replacement cost be for whoever they may lose in the expansion draft? If the Flyers do make a move for the for Seth Jones or another defenseman, is another NHL roster player coming back in that as part of a larger deal? So you're going to have to get a goalie in this offseason. So that's that's another move this offseason. So I think you know, you're already you're already up to three up to up to three moves potentially and potentially well, that anything substantial yet. <laughs> not even substantial yet. You, you haven't even you haven't even made the defenseman trade yet. So I think that uh, I think that you will see multiple moves this offseason. And I think some will be smaller moves. If they could bring in a, a Tyler Pitlick type like they did for one season mm -hmm. uh, in 2019-20, or you know, or, or something like that. A guy can come in and, and 
fill a role for a year, you're not making any long-term commitments to, I think they'll, they'll look at that too. Um, Louis Christopher tweeted it, and I appreciate him doing the homework on this, because he says, per HockeyReference.com, he said the final four teams in this year's playoffs, the Islanders, uh, Tampa Bay, Montreal, and Vegas, the final four teams, 52%, uh, this, is, this is of their roster, current roster, that are of original draft picks of that team. So the Flyers have on their roster, 68% of their players are picks that they made. The final four teams, the Islanders, 52%, 44% for Tampa Bay, 32% for Montreal, and 20% for Vegas. He said, why are the Flyers afraid to let their own walk and or make a splashy signing? Now, part of that we know, Bill, is that they had to rebuild the prospect pool and, and get out of uh, some cap uh, hell that they were in. Uh, they've done that now, though, and now probably the time, at least I've mentioned it this way, to use that uh, organizational currency to do exactly that, make a splashy signing or a free agency or a trade and and use all of that organizational currency that's either some in the NHL or some just in the organization. Yeah, and I, I, I think that is certainly the case. Um you know, when you draft a player and you're developing him, you want to also have a sense of what you have in that player. And sometimes, you know, an injury can delay it or can put the player off track. Uh, you know, when, when Ron Hextall was the general manager here, he said multiple times, I get calls all the time about our young players, usually for players in their late 20s or early 30s, and he just was opposed to doing that. He wasn't going to do it. I think you you've gotten to a point now where – you have enough in the system where you, you can move out a piece or two, uh, a younger player, even a, a young NHL player, and you know be able to, to try to take the next steps where you're positioning yourself, well, first to get back into the playoffs, but that's to make, uh, to make a potential splash in the postseason. I think the Flyers need to do that at this point. Either, either that or you're looking at, uh, if you're hanging into what you have, then in another couple of years as you're – some of your other players get into their deeper into their thirties, then you're talking about potentially rebuilding again. And nobody wants to face that scenario, right? No, no GM no, wants to do that. No, no GM wants to do that. So I think, I think they're going to look for a little me, a little bit of immediate help. And this will be the off season where you'll see some, some guys who were drafted internally. You know, you'll see a couple of those guys. move. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, let's go to this question from Teddy Z. He says, Hey, Jason, love the show. Thank you very much. Um, he said, if you can only protect 3D, Proveroff and Sanheim, but should the third that they protect be Ghost? He said, Hackstall slash the Kraken are sure to take him. He has a lot of positives and I think better than Myers and Haig. He goes, I doubt they would take Braun or is cap space the priority? Let me just weigh in on this real quick. First of all, I, I don't know how the relationship is between Ghost and Hackstall. Um, I know I don't know of any situation where those two didn't see eye to eye, but I know that under Hack, that Ghost didn't see eye to eye with both Gordon Murphy and with Rick Wilson. So I don't know. I don't think that if he's there, that that's a guarantee they're going to take him. I really don't. Uh, I don't see the positives there of better than Myers and Haig. Maybe Haig because he's got more offensive upside, but I think I value Robert Haig differently. Um, as, as far as I doubt they would take Braun, don't be surprised if they took Braun, by the way, either. And is cap, cap space the priority? I think it's a big priority. But, okay, Bill, I, I, I've had enough. What do you, what do you think? Well, <laughs> I, I think that with, with Ghost, 
Ghost is a hard guy to have a rational discussion about, you know, and and I I like Shane, you know. I, the thing is, like, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm piling on Shane because I know all the positives that he brings, you know, but Shane's had a lot of the consistency issues in, in recent years, even this past season, even this past season where there was only a very small stretch of the season where he was going well both offensively and defensively. Of course, since the season, he had one or the other going, and the other was lagging behind a little bit. He had a period in the middle there where, you know, I mean, I, well, actually, he was scoring at that point in March when he was uh, scratched for a stretch of games. But, you know, he, he did clear waivers, and I understand most a lot of that was salary cap driven, the amount of term he had remaining. You know, with with Ghost, he's he's a hard guy to slot in the lineup. And he, as you're trying to develop York, York, you're hoping will will play that power play role that that Ghost played. Uh, I don't I don't see Ghost being protected. And I and I agree with you by the way. It's not an absolute an absolute that they wouldn't take Justin Braun because he's on a pretty modest contract after taking a 50% salary cut. Um, veteran leader who's been to a Stanley Cup final and. Uh, you know, although they ha- although Seattle will have to get to the cap floor, you want to bring in some of those veteran leadership types, and he's quite yeah. good at that. And he's still he's still you know pretty good penalty killer, still a good stick on puck guy, blocks shots, et cetera, et cetera. He's not a long term piece of the puzzle anywhere he goes, including here. Um, you know, I don't think he'll be selected by Seattle, but it's not impossible. And I would I would like even for for Shane's sake, if he is here, then then fine. I want him in the starting six on the power play. And then, you know, if you're not confident that York can step right in and you don't want to, you know, you want to end up in a situation where you're, you're banking on too much too soon. Then, then maybe there are some scenarios where, you know, you try to get another year out of shade and I'd be fine with that if, if that's how it all works out. But I don't, I don't think that, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, as long as, as long as Myers, Sandheim, and obviously Provorov's not going anywhere. As long as Myers and Sandheim are not, traded ahead of the expansion draft those are the three guys you protect and i don't even think it's too much i don't even think you have to think too much beyond that just because myers has all that physical ability and you don't give up on a player based on a shortened season where you know there was not a very good one for him truthfully but you know i I don't think you pull the plug on him uh you kind of know what you kind of know what ghost is what he is and what he isn't and if he gets if he gets taken in the expansion draft, then he steps right onto a power play there, and you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, Hack Hack scratched Ghost more than once. Yeah. You know, um, and that was after his big rookie year. The second year, he scratched him a couple of times, and you know, then uh, then he settled into that pairing on in 27-18 with uh, with Provorov, and then Ghost got to a terrible start the year after that, and. Hack didn't waste a lot of time breaking up that parent. So I, I don't know. They have kind of a mixed history together. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's personal respect between the two. But I, I don't think that uh, you know. I, and the, the other the other thing too that I don't think is necessarily the case because Seattle has Seattle has their pro scouts and they have they have an experienced general manager. And while I do think uh, Dave Hacks will be consulted about who whom they pick from the Flyers, I don't think it's going to be a Hacksell driven pick. I, think no, I don't think be, so either. Yeah. I, I know, I know, I know that's a popular line of thought, but I, it's going to be Ron Francis's decision and the scouts with some input from Dave Axel. Well, they only get one anyway. You're only going to lose one player. 
Yeah, it, they're the constructors out there. Dave Haxtell's hired to coach the roster. They're the constructors. Uh, you know, you're right, though. The, some, the, situ, the, the conversations around Shane Gosper are very difficult. I had a guy tweet me. I'm not going to say his name because I, I don't want to embarrass him because I just I totally disagreed with what he said. But he tweeted me this, Bill. This is uh, just a few days ago on July 2nd. He said, he said, I had an idea. What would you think about moving Ghost to the wing? He said, I think he could be a sniper there. He has speed, good hands, can operate in close quarters, and will probably play 200 feet. He has D-man stamina, and his mistakes would uh, less likely end up in the net. Thoughts? And I tried to remain respectful. I think I did. I said, I, I disagree with your assessments. I said, he doesn't have speed. He's a shifty skater, not fast. He's not a sniper or an accurate shooter. Uh, is not good in close quarters and is not a good board player. I just said, sorry, I don't think his skills portend to a winger. In any way, shape, or form, was that was that uh, diplomatic enough? Yeah, that is diplomatic, and <laughs> I mean Shane. You know, go back when he was a kid in Florida, idolizing Pavel Bore, but he hasn't he hasn't played forward in a long, long, yeah. long time. He and, ain't the and, Russian and, rocket. Yeah, and and so much of the game is is played along the walls. Um, that as a defenseman or as a forward, that that's not a, that's not a strong suit. That's his biggest weakness. Um, you know, I I don't know, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it seems it seems like in a, in a defense as a defenseman. I mean, I'm not overthinking this, but when he gets caught behind the play, he has trouble catching up to it sometimes on the other end. Um, you know, I don't I don't see him being a great back checking winger. He has some creativity. Um, he as you said, he's a shifty skater, and in a straight line, he's actually a pretty average skater. He's never yeah. he's never been a speedster actually. I, although sometimes people say he's speedy, as you said, what he really is is shifty and elusive. He's a dramatic player. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the, always the way I described him. He is very capable of making incredibly great stretch passes, and he's got a big shot from the point. But he's not a tremendously accurate shooter. He's not a tremendously you know great skater. But he's a dramatic player who can make really big plays and really important plays. And when he plays with confidence, well, I think he's an X-factor player. I, I don't want people to think that I, I think that he's not a good hockey player. Uh, but But again, like you said, it's, it's like what you do with him. You have to, uh, to me, he's a third pairing defenseman and a power play specialist. So there's very few rosters where he can excel, be hidden for those defensive purposes, and also uh, be put into a position to, to exacerbate what he can do offensively. And I think that's the trick. I agree. And as you said, he needs a lot of offensive zone starts. Yep. Um, Preferably on, the, on your first power play unit, um, because he, he won't get he won't get as much time. Uh, sometimes the second unit only gets 20, 25, 20, 25 seconds of time, right? So it, it's harder for him to be effective in that time. Um, yeah, he has he has the big heavy shot, which is which is streaky. Sometimes sometimes he pinches up on the play. You know he he can um, he can actually you know, pop a water bottle you know, a few times a season. You know. Um, this season, he, he regained a lot of that confidence because the year before that, the the shot really wasn't there for him, and the year before that was a you know a lot a lot of injury issues the last couple of years. He's he's healthy again, you know, and so he is so he's moving around better because when he loses when he loses that that lateral mobility, the ability to, to hold pucks in at the point, which is one of the things he does best. Actually, he's quite good at that, um, hold, holding pucks in, you know, prolonging possession. Um, you know, as a, as a defender, he's pretty good at neutral zone defense, actually. 
it's once the puck gets over your blue line that, that he struggles. And, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, these would be, these would be all new coverage assignments too. You know, covering, covering the, the, uh, the weak side part, you know, the way back door goes, you know, just, just different reads, different, I'm, you don't really see many players that would be converted to a forward at this point in their career. It's just that uh, I've heard he's not the first person I've seen who suggested that. I just I just don't see that as a realistic option. If he's going to be in your team, you know, he's, he's basically your number five or number six forward to me at the five on five, and on your first power play unit, that's where his minutes come. And if you can if you can have enough balance in the blue line around that to, to work that in. Fantastic, but also, also though the the other part of it too is okay. What is your development plan for Cam Neal? You you haven't spent a full year in the American Hockey League. Um, you know, he he's the guy you're hoping will eventually take over Gossett Bear's role, but be a little better two way player in the, in the longer term too. So I just I just don't see the fit for Cam anymore. And you know if it extends another year and he has an effective season, great for him and great for the club. Absolutely. Last one, and this will wrap up uh, part two of Ask Billy, and it's the penalty box EDOC who tweets in, and he says, The Flyers have clearly lacked elite speed and physicality on both offense and defense for a couple of seasons. He says, Why do you think they did not address this after last year's playoff demise, and do you think they realize how much this is lacking after this year's season's hard results? Um I think it was really hard to do anything in last offseason. We just didn't see a lot of moves last offseason. Uh, but as far as do I think that they realize how much this is lacking after this season, I think that, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I think that they know they need to be more physical on the ice. When Oscar Lindblom dropped the gloves, if they didn't know it, then they'll never know it, right? And I think that, you know, they didn't punish teams enough night in and night out. And you know, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious. I think they know it, and I think they know they have to address it, and they have to find a way to do it. I, I agree. You know, uh, I think that you know, when, whenever you add is there, a piece, is there something in front of your mic, though, all of a sudden it just got real muffled. Is that better? I know. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, my, my whole kid is up in Philadelphia. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so let's, let's pick up. Um, I, I think that when you add – a player, and I agree with you. Last off season was, was very hard to add anybody, but I think that to add speed or add physicality, you're all you're also looking at lineup fit. What else can the player do? Um, you know, and I'm going I'm going way back here, but you know, a long time ago, um, the Flyers added a player named Brad Jones, uh, Rush Barlow, and all we heard was, "Boy, this guy this guy can can fly. He has elite speed. He couldn't do anything else though." All he would fly up and down the ice, but he, you know, he really had no, no role in the team as it turned out. Um, you know, and there aren't many players like that now. But the whole point is, if you're gonna you're gonna add a guy, okay, where is he gonna play in your lineup? Okay, okay, so he brings, you know, he brings an element of speed, he brings an element of physicality. Where where does he fit in? What else does he do? And what's the cost of bringing him in? It's, uh, you know, I think I think where the Flyers were able to. They're able to do that to a degree. We mentioned Pitlick before. Pitlick was able to get in on the four check, brought an element of physicality, but stayed out of the penalty box too. Scored the occasional goal. Could play him on the third line. Could play him on the fourth line. There was a spot for him. When you can do that, fantastic. And I do think the Flyers realize that they need guys who can play who also bring 
some of those other elements, the physicality side of it and the, you know, speed is, I mean, speed can kill, but at the same time, you know, I worry more about smarts than, than pure speed because you can overcome, you know, the, they always say the puck moves faster than anyone can skate. And so if you have a, if you have a, a team with sufficient skill and smarts, you can overcome average, average speed on the whole. Most teams in the league are, there's not a huge gap. I mean, there are, there are some teams just have a multiple guys who can fly on there. You know, it's, uh, it's always nice if you, you can add that, but uh, you know, I think, I think it's part of the bigger picture, but I do think, I do think more physicality and grit. And uh, by the way, we, we started this uh, one, we were talking about Victor Arvidsson. Arvidsson would have brought some of that speed element too. Yeah. And then, you know, some, some other, other pieces to the puzzle as well. So if you, if you can add it, great. If it should be on the shopping list for the off season of, something you're looking at but um you know but it's easier said than done sometimes is, is the point i'm getting at you know if, if the player you want is available and it can can fill some of those needs and check some other boxes then by all means go get that player yeah the other thing that a guy like pitlick brought was he bought certainty in preparation and performance every night yeah. you know there was there was his top level game was such a small gap to his worst game and you always knew it was going to be somewhere in this very small window where he was going to be at peak ability or his worst, and it wasn't going to be that much of a difference. Coaches like that. <laughs> that's called certainty, something that's very difficult to come by, not only in hockey but our world. So, anyway. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Bill, great job. Appreciate it as always. That's part two of Ask Billy. We're going to do another one of these as we get closer to the draft, free agency, expansion draft, unprotected, protected list, whatever you want to call them. They come out on the 17th. Expansion draft is coming up on the 21st. NHL drafts around the corner. Free agency. Uh, we're just about to this offseason, and it's going to feel very rapid once we get to the offseason and right into the regular season. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you on the next episode of Flyers Daily. Love is a burning thing. And it makes a fiery ring. Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire